Turn with me to Mark chapter 10 as we continue our study in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at just a handful of verses today, verses 13 through 16. They should be very familiar to your ears. So as we go to the Lord's prayer or the Lord's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we pray that as we read from it, that we would get from it that it is about you. It is not about us. It is about you, your plan for salvation, the truth of the gospel, your glory throughout the universe. Help us to see that. Change us so that we might see that. In your name we pray, amen. As I read through this, this passage that we're going to talk about, this with children coming to Jesus, it made me think of a song. When I was in college, there was a song, it probably came out a little bit before I got to college, honestly, but it was called Faith Like a Child by this band named Jars of Clay. You've probably heard of Jars of Clay. Some of you might even remember the song. In it, there was this recording, so you're listening to the song, Jars of Clay was this kind of acoustic music band and you were listening and all of a sudden this child starts babbling and you're like that elicits some sort of emotional response you're listening to the song which is again kind of this ballady song and this child starts talking and you're like oh i want a faith like that and if you're like me you can't even understand what the baby was saying you just know that it's made you feel all gushy and the song is sung in lots of churches, you know, and then usually young teens with their first guitar get up there and their congregation is thinking, oh, if we could just have faith like that. I remember pictures of a bunch of children piled on a man. I assume it was supposed to be Jesus. It looked oddly like Kenny Loggins, as it normally does. At the bottom of the picture, it would say, faith like a child, as if piling on Kenny Loggins is a demonstration of faith. I don't think the song did it by itself, of course. You've probably heard sermons about this pursuit of a childlike faith. You've probably heard lots of them, or what it means to have a childlike faith. Every time I hear these things, especially as I've gotten older, I remember thinking, there has to be more to this, right? So in our text today, we're going to deal with the whole genesis of this idea and that song and the Loggins pictures and all that stuff. And it's this text found in Mark chapter 10. As we come to it, it's going to be hard for us to drop some of our preconceived ideas about it. It's hard for us to get that picture out of our heads, to to not remember that Jars of Clay song, if you're me in particular. The idea that we had to have some perfect kind of faith, and it fits this perfect idea that someone has written about in order to enter the kingdom of God. As we deal with this, I want to look at two ideas. Both, I think, strike at the notion that Jesus is characterizing our faith by these certain childlike behaviors. And that's first, the kingdom belongs to the children. On the other side of that coin, only children belong to the kingdom. So with that, let's look at the text together. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 13. Please stand with me 
in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. So remember last week, we looked at Jesus' teachings on divorce there in the first part of Mark chapter 10. The reason that Jesus was teaching on divorce is because he was questioned by this group of people known as the Pharisees, as he has so often been questioned by the Pharisees. The Pharisees assumed certain things about the Word of God. Remember, they went all the way back to Deuteronomy. And therefore, in assuming things about God's Word, they are assuming things about the very character of God because you can't really separate who God is and the things that He says. The character of God and the Word of God are intertwined very closely. Of course, we aren't this way. We say things like this. Do as I say, not as I do. Which is a weird thing to say if you've ever thought about it. It seems to suggest that we just are okay with living like hypocrites. Which a lot of times, of course, we are. The same could be said of Pharisees for sure. But I think what we'll see in our passage today is that the disciples... And then, as well as ourselves, that we have these kinds of tendencies as well. And so look with me there at verse 13 as we look at the first point. The kingdom belongs to the children. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Of course, him here is Jesus. It was common in the Jewish culture, and still is really, for the head of the household to bless the children. Every Friday night, actually, before the Sabbath, The head of the household, usually the father, would bless the children for their well-being, pronounce some sort of priestly blessing on them. It was also common for the rabbis to bless the children, pronouncing another kind of priestly blessing on them. They would they would pass by them, the rabbi would put their hands on their head, and he would say some sort of blessing to them. So understand what's going on here. These parents are bringing their children to Jesus for a blessing. He is called rabbi in other places, but probably isn't one officially. He's not a parent to any child. And so what what they've seen, these parents who are bringing their children to Jesus, what they've seen, what they've heard about Jesus is something of this incredible blessing. The signs, the wonders he's performed, the teachings that he is teaching. He's teaching as one who has authority, as one who actually knows the word. They've probably heard the disciples as well, or heard of them, and heard of their works as well, these people that are coming up. Remember the disciples, the disciples went out into the, into the country and did ministry, and even the demons obeyed them. And so they see them together, the disciples and Jesus sitting here, the group of parents got together, brought their children to Jesus. The pronoun here, that they, is actually masculine, so it wasn't just mothers bringing their children to Jesus, but fathers also. Again, fathers would be typically the ones pronouncing the blessing in their home, and they're bringing them to this man named Jesus, probably who they don't even know. 
The word here for children is the same one that we saw in another text that means infant. And so these aren't little kids walking up to Jesus. These are babies, maybe less than two years old. Many times, I think we see those pictures of people, of little kids piled up on Jesus, but these kids were small enough for them to, like it says in the text, take them into his arms. So these are small kids. So imagine the scene, these parents walking up to Jesus with the intent of their babies being blessed and one of the disciples meeting them, walking out to them and saying, whoa, no blessings today, nothing here. Rebuking them. They rebuked the parents, basically thinking Jesus is too important to be talking to these people to be blessing their babies. Now don't forget, in this day, children had no social standing at all. It's hard for us to understand it, because in our country, children have like this almost infinite social standing, and many times they're in charge of places. Children had no protection in their in their culture. They're provided... They were provided protection at home, obviously, but if the parents somehow were out of the picture, children oftentimes had to beg in order to get food and in order to be taken care of. By the time you were a teen in that day, you were expected to be working. You were expected to be raising a family. And so childhood was this relatively short period of time compared to what it is today. So the disciples here are protecting Jesus from those who could offer him nothing at all in return. And notice Jesus' response. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Much has been said about this verse. Songs have been written. People have tried to be cute with it. But we have to be careful to see what Jesus is really saying to us. He's not saying, he's not saying, The kingdom belongs to adults who are spiritually like children. What he is saying is the kingdom belongs to such as these, as he's holding a baby, these children. Now, let's remember quickly, and we talk about this a whole lot here. Remember how the Bible is organized. It's organized in such a way to give us an account of the people that God chose as his representatives of his covenant promises to his own people. The Bible is a covenantal book. It talks about this idea of the covenant all throughout. And there are people who represent the covenant. We can start naming them. There was Abram that God picked out of the idol worshipers. There was Isaac, Abram's son, whose parents had a combined age of almost 200. He chose Jacob from Isaac. He was a second born, but he, and he was also a liar and a thief. But he would one day name Israel the the nation of God's blessing. And to each generation following, think about this. Think about as you read the scriptures, over and over you hear this common refrain. The promises and the signs of these promises were given to whom? To the children. The covenant blessings, the promise of eternal blessing through the through the coming Messiah. Who is it handed down to? It's handed down to your children and your children's children. They were, were they handed down to a deserving people? 
Do we, as we read through the scriptures, do we see that, and there were these people that really deserved to hear the promises of God and to receive the covenant blessings, and that's who got it? No. Were they handed down to people who always followed the signs with their own belief? As the signs were administered to them, as they took the Passover supper, as they received the sign of circumcision, did those people who saw those signs, did they always follow up with those signs with their belief? No, not at all. We know that from Scripture, only a small number were faithful. We made it a long way through Isaiah. It didn't seem like there were very many faithful people as we read through that. And ultimately, only one Jewish man was faithful to the Father's law. And it was him that said, let the children come to me. So consider our own day in a similar context. The signs of the covenant are different because Christ came and changed those signs. No longer circumcision or Passover. Now we have baptism in the Lord's Supper. They point to the same thing. The circumcision, rather than a bloody and painful sign only administered to the males, Now it is a bloodless, painless sign administered to all. Still pointing to the same thing, the cleansing of sin. We administer that sign to the same people today, children and adult believers, because it's to them that we show the promises of God. It's to them that we want to give the covenant blessing. We want to see We want them to see the promises of God. We want them to receive the blessings of the covenant. We don't do this to save the children from God's wrath. We don't do this because we just assume that they're going to be saved. Not at all. That's why we preach the gospel here every single Sunday. We do this because they are our children. We we give them these blessings. We We tell them the promises because they're ours. We are the people of God and we talk about the promises of God. We give the covenant blessings to the covenant people. And we hope one day that in seeing the signs and receiving the blessings of the covenant and being a covenant community here together, that those children will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. That is our hope. He is their Lord. He is the one true God. And we as believers can only point others to him. We can't make them believe. So when the disciples understand that, all that background, when the disciples rebuked these parents for bringing the children to Jesus, notice his response. Verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. That's a really strong word. It's a good word. He was indignant. And said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus was angry. Why? Because to say, Jesus doesn't have time for these infants, is to question the very character of God. To question his words. Were were it not for the infants and the children hearing the covenant promises of God, There would be no people of God. The people of God teach their children, so they too will teach their children. So when Jesus says, let the children come, for such belongs the kingdom, he is saying, though they seem unimportant, it is these that we need to teach, 
So they will see the promises. So they will see the Savior. And so that they will believe. As a church and as families, it is our responsibility to show these promises, to deliver these blessings to our covenant children, to each other's children even, so that they would know, so that the world would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That brings me to the second point. Only children belong to the kingdom. Look with me at verses 15 and 16. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So this is the portion where we tend to go off the rails a lot of times, unfortunately, because here is where we like to add things to the text that aren't there. Jesus goes a bit further. Not only does the kingdom with its promises and its blessings belong to the children of the people of God, but it's only children, he says, unless you receive this like a child, you will never enter the kingdom. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Well, what does he mean? What many people have done over the years is that they've painted a picture of what children are like. You've all heard it. Well, children, what this means is that children have an innocent faith because children are innocent. Children believe without asking questions. They don't have doubts, and that's how we should be. Children forgive easily and they laugh a lot, and that's how, what we should do. So you know what we immediately start doing when we hear these things, right? We get our paper out, we get our pen out, and we start making a little list, all right? Innocent faith, check. No doubts, no questions, check. Laugh a lot. Check. Act like a child. Okay, got that one too. We make these little rules. We create our own little entrance exam for heaven. We judge ourselves accordingly. Of course, what we really like to do is we judge others according to that list as well. I don't know why you study all that theology. I just have a childlike faith like Jesus said, as I was told by an elder one time in a church. Why are you so serious about your faith? I'm so carefree about my faith, you know, just like a child. I was asked that question once. They were serious when they asked it. Not a very carefree question. Isn't it crazy that we take this sweet moment that Jesus has with these children here and we use it to create more rules when it comes to the gospel? Why do we want to guard something so closely? When Jesus says to me, or says to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. When Paul says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why do we want to add, and you need to have this childlike faith too? Why do we do that? It's because we miss the point. Of what Jesus is saying here altogether, of course. We want to point our fingers at the disciples for not letting the children come. And then we want to point our fingers at others when they aren't children. What does Jesus mean here? Well, imagine our Lord taking an infant into his hands. Helpless. Nothing to offer at all. Sinful in Adam. Will soon start sinning on its own very shortly. This child needs constant attention, 
daily care. They cry all the time. They can't even tell you why they're upset. They're just upset. And this is who Jesus took into his arms and he blessed. Want to know what it means to receive the kingdom of God like a child? Paul tells us several times, I like to quote Ephesians 2, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love he has for us, made us alive together with Christ Jesus our Lord. When you go to Ephesians 2, Romans 3, other places all over the New and Old Testament, when you read about the depravity of man, what does what is it that man and woman add to their salvation? Nothing. As much as we love our children, when they come into this world, they can't help us. They are the very definition of helpless. And without us, they would die. We give them what we have. We give them everything we have. Why do we do that? Because they've somehow earned it? No, we do it because we, we love them. They're ours. We want to give them all that we have because they're ours. We spent those months getting ready and planning all those months. We knew their names even before they were born. They were part of our families even before we met them. They were a part of our lives. Everyone who knows you knows that you're getting ready to have this child because they were ours and that we would never forsake our children. How much more then does God, who from the foundation of earth set aside a people for himself, love and care for those who are his, even though they have nothing to give? The only way they can come to him, us, his children, the only way we ever went to him It's because he came to us first. He took us from a life of sin and death and he's made us alive together in Christ Jesus our Lord. To receive the kingdom of God like a child is to receive the promises and blessings of God like our children receive the promises and blessings of our families just by being born. In the case of a Christian, of course, we know that being born is not enough. What does Jesus tell us we have to do? We'll turn with me to John chapter 3, and we'll see. Interestingly enough, Jesus is meeting with a Pharisee in John chapter 3. One of these that he was often indignant with. But this Pharisee saw the things that Jesus was doing and had questions. So let's look at the first five verses of John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Again, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He thought there was an entrance exam, a list in order to get into heaven. But he saw what Jesus was doing, so he found him in the night so no one would see 
And he asked Jesus these questions, and Jesus' responses confused him. You must be born again. What do you mean? It seems like a really strange idea. How am I supposed to be born again? But the birth that Jesus talks about is a spiritual birth, being born of the Spirit of God. And then he talks about how this can occur, and he gives another illustration that Nicodemus would know very well. Verses 9 through 15, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What is he pointing to? It was a story from the Old Testament when there were snakes in the camp of the Israelites because God put them there to attack the people. But then he gave them a cure. It was a bronze serpent. And he told Moses, he said, lift this serpent up among the camp and whoever looks upon it will be cured. Whoever looks upon the serpent will be cured. Jesus says, that was just pointing to me. Whoever looks to me will be saved. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life. So the question this morning is, do you believe in him? Have you been born again? It's not enough to be in a Christian family. Being in a Christian family is great and all. Because if you are, you've probably heard the promises of God. Absolutely you have. You've experienced the blessings of being in a Christian family. But those only point to the real thing. Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, you cannot be saved. If you don't know Him, call upon His name and be saved. That's all it takes. It doesn't take some list some odd thing that we've created because we like lists and we like to feel good about ourselves. The Scriptures only says that we need to call upon the name of the Lord and we'll be saved. It's because He does all the work. If you do, remember the blessings that you have in Him. If you're here this morning and you believe these things already, remember what you have in Him. Repent for the times that you would cause others to hold to your standard rather than the standard of God. And come to Him like a child, helpless, unable to save yourself. In conclusion, let us be true to the gospel of Christ. People need Jesus. They need only call upon His name and be saved. Let us teach these things to our children, the promises of God. Let us show them the many blessings of the covenant community. And let us do so that the world may see, so that God would be glorified, and so that they could call upon his name and be saved. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to you in prayer, we admit that many times we are the disciple rebuking those who would come to you because they don't quite fit the criteria that we're looking for. Lord, help us. 
Because were we even trying to fit up to our own standard, we wouldn't do so, much less yours. And so, Lord, help us. We need to remember that you require nothing of us. To come to you like a child is to come to you completely helpless. Not in our own power, but in yours and yours alone. You are the author of our salvation. You are the perfecter of our faith, our redeemer. And we are thankful. It's in your name we pray. Amen.